You're listening to the LaunchCast, your favorite podcast on the planet, brought to you by Launchpad 516 Studios with me, your host, George Andriopoulos. We're talking leadership, business, life, and growth right now as the countdown starts. It's like food for your ears. At this time, I'm going to ask that you fasten your seatbelts. Launch sequence. Launch sequence activated. Launch sequence activated. Five. Four, three, two, one. Woo! Hey, hey, everybody! Welcome to the LaunchCast. Episode 315, back from winter hiatus. Goosebumps, you see him? We got a good one today. It's episode 315. This one's called The Junkyard Prodigy. You're going to find out why when you meet my guest in a few minutes. But we got some business to take care of first. But first, it's the launch dad himself, George Andriopoulos, bringing you your favorite podcast on the planet. Once again, leadership, business, life, growth, right now as the beat drops. See my guest nodding along. What is happening, guys? We are back with another episode. Thank you for bearing with us during winter hiatus. We took a couple of months off during that cold weather because I, I just I'm not as smooth during the cold. I needed a little bit of a break. We had some business we were building here in the office. We had a lot of cool stuff going on. So uh, let me get some of that stuff out of the way before we get to our guest today. So. Um, Today, recording this thing, we have actually released and announced our rebranding of Launchpad 516, my company, the the baby that makes all this stuff happen. Um, And so there's a few important things to notice with that. Check us out on social media at Launchpad 516, the numbers 516, not spelled out. Um, At Launchpad 516, you'll get all the updates uh, from us. You'll notice, right, if you're watching this video, you notice my shirt here. I'm wearing my new I Am Inimitable shirt, and it's got the four pillars orange logo from the LaunchCast logo, from the LaunchPad 516 logo. Um, the rebrand was really important to my company as we establish our mission going forward. And our mission is providing individuals and organizations with the tools and resources to thrive. And so that's much more than just the usual consulting that we have always done for years. It's called Consulting Plus. I'm gonna be talking about that uh, as the weeks go by in some ads and of course on the show as well. Um, But these four pillars, they stand for something. They stand for our four pillars to success, which is community, collaboration, innovation, and people. That is what's most important in helping our clients succeed for my company and helping all the people that I help with my extracurricular activities, uh, my nonprofit, my community stuff. Um, and so, yeah, we, we've been talking about that. But what I want to talk about today is this shirt that I'm wearing. If you're not seeing me on video right now, find the video on YouTube or check out. Uh, we'll probably share some photos on the LaunchCast pages. I'm wearing a shirt from the Launchpad Initiative Collection. What is that? Um, Check out our website, launchpad516.com, and you can go to launchpad516.com slash shop. Our new new merchandise shop has opened up. Um, We have a few collections there. We have some cool, you know, the usual Launchpad 516 merch from the company, but who wants to wear my company's name on them with no important message, right? And so we've established this brand with the collection called the Launchpad Initiative that has important messaging that matches up to our mission, the type of motivation that we put out there, what we're trying to do. So right now I'm wearing the I Am Inimitable shirt. We have the Inimitable Definition shirt, the We Before Me shirt, the Win From Within shirt. We have a lot of cool stuff. There's shirts, shorts, joggers, workout stuff, uh, uh, sport bottles, all kinds of stuff. The point of this stuff is to get you guys motivated to lead in your own communities. This is great quality stuff that was important to me as we built this little clothing brand. Um, Great quality, stylish, and the messaging is on point. So check it out. The important thing here is that for the month of March, as we launch this thing, for the month of March, all profits from the Launchpad Initiative collection 
will go to the Special Olympics. I'm going to talk about that as the weeks progress. I have some involvement in the spring games that are coming here to Farmingdale, uh, planning the Olympic Village, along with a whole bunch of other amazing people. So listen to that. But launchpad516.com slash shop. That's what you need to go to. Shop our merchandise. There is actually launch pa- uh, launch cast merchandise. Really, really cool shirts. Now thinking about this, I probably should have worn a launch cast shirt today. But, hey, we all make mistakes, right? So um, we're back from winter hiatus. Very excited about that. The other thing I want to talk about is Launchpad 516 Studios is rolling, man. Um, we just last week... Uh, released finally after a couple of months of working on it, the Spreading Happiness podcast with John Cronin and Mark Cronin. What an incredible show. Check that out. Uh, It's available on the Launchpad 516 Studios channel on Apple Podcasts, or you can just look up the Spreading Happiness podcast. Um, Subscribe to them. Leave them some reviews, uh, some five-star ratings. It's an incredible show with my good, good friends uh, and some other cool stuff coming out. End of the month, Discriminology premiere season three. Um, uh, We have uh, 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 Peace, Love, and Bring a Bat, which has been out for months. Great, great show. Um, Sounds Like Autism is coming soon with us. Uh, A whole bunch of stuff. So check it out. Uh, Keep up to date with Launchpad 516. All of the uh, updates will come from there. And now, I'm going to bring my guest on. Before I bring him on, I'm going to read his bio. Now, I'm going to remind you the name of the episode, The Junkyard Prodigy. This is going to be a fun one. So, from being literally born on a junkyard, CEO Orville Davis knows the meaning and value of hard work. Although he grew up in a rigorous industry, his father taught him the importance of using your mind and not your behind. I love that. The husband and father of two studied computer programming and global business management. During this time, he developed the idea for Scrap It. When the idea of Scrap It took digital form in Orville's mind, it was validated with the achievement of first place at the Innovation Challenge held at Farmingdale State College. Orville then went further to develop that business model around Scrap It and sought even further validation by placing first in the entire New York State at the New York State business plan competition held in Albany, New York. From there, he set out on a mission to recruit talented individuals in order to bring this concept to life. Orville is a rare individual, and I could attest to that firsthand because I know this guy very well. Sorry, I had to cough there because somebody burned popcorn in the office and it's in my throat. Um, Orville is a rare individual. Not only is he a tech founder, uh, he is founder market fit, which isn't too easy to find. A man of many, many talents, many tongues. Orville currently speaks five languages fluently, English, Spanish, Portuguese, French, and Haitian Creole. I wish I knew how to speak that. Let me bring this handsome guy on screen right here. Let's go. There he is, Orville Davis. What's happening, my friend? Hey, Georgie. Thank you for having me. <laughs> of course. Thank you for this beautiful uh, introduction. Of course, man. Of course. All right, cool. So. I want to get right to it uh, real quick here. Let's switch over. I'm, I'm out of practice here. I'm so rusty with all my buttons here. Um, so the first question that we ask everybody that's on this show, Orville, are you a leader? Am I a leader? Well, you know, normally, uh, you know, I, I don't call myself a leader, but uh, for some reason, you know, people tend to come to me for for solutions to the problems or for guidance along the way. And uh, somehow I ended up in this position as being the leader. Uh, Hey, well, if it's it's made out for me, I'm going to do it, right? Yep, absolutely. So talk to me me about that a little bit. What is your definition of a leader? Well, um, my definition of a leader is one that inspires people, one that, you know, leads the charge, um, you know, is that go-to person whenever... You know something is wrong, um, or whenever there seems to be like problems with you know teammates or or peers, you know in an organization, I, I feel like the leader is the one who conveys the the mission, conveys the vision, and keeps everybody on track. Um, now that I'm speaking about it, I think that kind of <laughs> defines me. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, so so I love that. So I, I actually work closely with you, and and I know a lot about. Um, what your company does and and the leadership that you provide behind not only uh, the mission of the company but the vision behind it and and what the the team needs to bring to the table. So when you talk about leadership, I notice that there's a lot of mention 
uh, of team there. And I know you came from a sort of different place of, of learning leadership when you were younger, which we're going to get into all that stuff. Um, how important to you is the team when it comes to leadership? You know, the team is, is everything because you know, if there's no team, what are you leading? Right. And, uh, you know, just as, uh, <clears throat> just as important it is, uh, you know, to have a leader, it's just as important to have the team. So, you know, one can't exist without the other. Right. Right. So let's do what we do here. We, we always do this, this sort of chronological order of events here to, to find out these unconventional journeys to leadership. If you are listening to the Launchcast for the first time here and you found this through Orville, that's what we do. We tell stories of the journeys to leadership that are unconventional journeys, not the journeys that you would normally think. And I know Orville's story, so I do know that he had a very unconventional journey to getting here. And even once he got here, um, staying there has been unconventional and and not easy. So let's go. Let's go back to the beginning. Um, you grew up right here on Long Island in in Valley Stream, right? Yeah, yeah. I grew up in Valley Stream uh, you know, since I was three, and uh, I think it was like maybe uh, up until like almost twenty four years old. Yeah, and then I finally came out of here. Right. So, so I know that uh, a huge influence, which we mentioned in in your bio, uh, getting started with this thing, a huge influence on your life was your dad and what he he did for a living. So, tell the audience here a little bit about um, the junkyard side of your youth and, and growing <laughs> up. So, uh, my father, he was, um, you know, a, a very dedicated entrepreneur. Uh, you know, he had saw something in the the recycling industry that. You know, many people didn't really um, grasp right away. And what he had saw was, hey, you know, there's there's money in junk. There's money in these things that people are throwing away. And what he particularly focused on were the, uh, the junk vehicles that people would get rid of or leave abandoned in their driveways and such. And, um, you know, my father had, you know, had the, the foresight to say, you know, hey, um, you know, I could pick these vehicles up and I could recycle them or I could fix them up and, you know, resell them. And from there, uh, I believe in the 70s, he, he had purchased a piece of land and you know, started buying cars left and right, um, whether it would be from regular individuals that lived in the neighborhood in the Queens and Brooklyn um, areas or whether it was from the police auctions um, that, you know, the city would hold uh, on a monthly basis. But then, uh, you know, it turned out to where uh, you know, he was buying like 50 cars at a time, you know, and well, where are you going to keep all these cars, you know, once you buy them? And so from there, he had sought out to, you know, acquire more land. And from there, he ended up finding, you know, one of the biggest properties um, in the Queens area, which led to him having one of the largest junkyards in the New York City area. Um, you know, during that time, it was, it was a pretty rough time, you know, especially like in the environment and, and then with the whole, you know, racial issues that were going on back in like the 70s and 80s. Um, but he, for some reason, he never allowed that to, you know, phase him. He just kept pushing one foot forward and, um, you know, was able to grow a successful junkyard business. And, you know, he had, he had put uh, my brother, my sisters, everybody through school, uh, even up until, you know, when he had us, um, the younger siblings. And... You know, from there, you know, I, I definitely had learned a lot uh, from my father and from the junkyard industry because, uh, you know, from being born on the junkyard, you know, when, once you start uh, able to walk and talk and, uh, you know, be able to lift things, now you got to go to work. <laughs> I remember yeah. uh, one of my first memories, I was like three years old, you know, cranking off a tire with a tire iron. And, uh, you know, I didn't, I didn't really know what I was doing. He just said, keep doing this until you're done. <laughs> and... Uh, you know, from there, that's what started my journey into the junkyard. You know, I would, I would work on the junkyard after school or on the weekends. Um, apparently, child labor laws didn't matter to him. <laughs> <laughs> talk, to me, talk to me about um, uh, that influence for you. So I, I know long-term, and, and uh, it's not, it doesn't take a genius to sort of figure out in the end here what you're actually doing for a living now. Um, was heavily influenced by your father and, and that legacy of that junkyard. Uh, I know that that whole thing means a lot to you for, for a lot of different reasons. Um, what was that influence on you when you were a kid growing up? Like, what was that 
that feeling, that innate feeling inside of you saying to you in terms of like what Orville, who Orville was going to be growing up and, and how did your dad and the whole junkyard thing influence that for you? Well, to be honest, George, um, you know, when I, when I was young and I would go to the junkyard, um, it, it was mixed feelings because one, you know, you're having fun, you're, you know, you're running around a huge lane, you're able to like run through cars, jump on cars and, you know, uh, smash cars if you need to you know sometimes you're operating machinery and you know it was fun however it was um it was hard and you know sometimes you know you didn't want to work sometimes it was too cold sometimes it was too hot you know and but it didn't matter because you still had to get your work done and um and that was one of the things that kind of you know gave me the mixed feelings because it's like you know regardless of the you know um the conditions you still had to get it done and and one of the things that really didn't sit well with me was that, you know, for some reason, man, like I just didn't like getting dirty, <laughs> you know, <laughs> because it's like, okay, you get dirty, cool, all right. But then when you go to wash it off, it's like you got to wash it like five or ten times. And then, yeah, then, yeah, you, yeah. then you go into school and then you smell like grease. And I'm like, <laughs> like, yo, who are you, a mechanic? Get this guy out of here. <laughs> so, so in essence, that that journey, you know, kind of getting to where you are today, I think a lot of, and, and this is also based on what I know about you, but a lot has had to do with sort of reconciling all that later on in life rather than knowing, like you didn't grow up as a kid going like, I'm going to own a junkyard, I'm going to do waste removal, I'm going to do junk removal, like none of not that. Not at all, not yeah. at all. I always thought that I was going to, you know, either be an inventor or work in a corporate office or, you know, wear a suit and tie. For some reason... I don't know. I thought that that's what, you know, um, being professional and being a grown-up was. Um, I didn't, I didn't know the importance of what the junkyard was. I didn't know that hey, like you know, this was a big successful business. I thought that this was just work like anybody else does, yeah. you know. Yeah. And yeah. So so coming up uh, uh, until you got to the time where you started college and all that, uh, how was school for you? Good student, bad student? In between, you know. Um, I would get good grades, but I would always get suspended. There you go. Okay. <laughs> and we've talked about this before. We've talked about this. So, um, you know, what's funny about that and, and the first kind of thing that I'll point out is, again, we have a wide range of people that listen to this show from entrepreneurs to students to uh, people that are established and, and just working in their careers. Um, I love pointing out to young people and, and you get this because I, I've even done school after school, right? Like I graduated from college in, in 2002 and then I've done schooling since then uh, working towards an MBA um, that I, I didn't actually have time to finish, but I will get to one day. Um, it becomes easier, right? Isn't that like with maturity and stuff? Oh, yeah. You know, it's, it's that thing of like um, I know even with my daughter I deal with it who's 13 – and, you know, going to be 14 in a couple of months. And, you know, we talk about college. And a couple of years ago, she had no intention of doing college, right? right? Which, you know, isn't a thing. But <laughs> she doesn't know that yet. Um, but she would claim that being a, a bad student was why. And I try to explain to her, like, you know, when you get to that maturity level, which, by the way, she's getting to now. Like, she's this kid's on honor roll, like, you know, the kid that had so many problems she's starting ninth grade next year. We just did her high school schedule. I'm so impressed. She's in <laughs> all honors classes. To me, it's like it's amazing to see that growth. But to try to explain to her what she's going through now, what she will go through, like once you get to college, once you have that maturity level, it kind of becomes easy. The school, the, the education is not about going to school anymore. It's about acquiring those right. skills, which was huge for you. Oh, yeah. Yeah. You know, perfect case point. Um, you know, when I uh, first went to, uh, to college right after high school, um, I was a terrible student. I was getting C's. I, you know, I was not showing up to class. I, I kept, you know, just blowing it off and, and just not taking it serious. But when I went back to school the second time around, uh, you know, years later, it was a whole completely different mindset. Yeah. The, where I was sitting in the class changed. You know, I used to sit in the back, just slack off and... Do whatever this time around i'm sitting in the front i don't have time to make friends with 
any yep. of the kids in this class. The only friend I want to make is that professor. Yep. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. And yeah, it was a completely, you know, um, 180 game changer. Uh, I went from, you know, thinking that, oh man, I, I you know, this is annoying. I got to go to class. I got to go to school or whatever to, oh wait, I can't wait to go because, you know, I actually like what I'm learning. Yeah. And, you know, when you mix that passion with it, I mean, it just changes everything and your whole perception of how you're taking in information. And that and that's a that's a lesson that students out there should take that not only does it come with a certain maturity level, like you were ready to get down to business and we'll get to that that point uh, in your life in a couple of minutes, but you were ready to get down to business for a number of reasons, but also one thing I know about you is you know what you want to do. You know, you know when you went to school like this is how I was going to use this schooling. And so you knew that that major for you was exactly what you needed. And so if you're still in college and you're at the point where you should be more mature, mm-hmm. but you're still fucking up in class, you're still getting C's, you're still skipping class, it probably means that you're studying something that you have no interest in and you <laughs> should look at that before it's too late. You know okay. what I mean? It took me 10 years after I graduated from college before I realized that oh, maybe pharmacy is not for me. <laughs> maybe I'm a business guy. You know what I mean? And so, uh, yeah, something that students should look at. But um, when we talk about college with you, so um, you graduated uh, uh, high school. Uh, you started at uh, NASA Community College for a little bit as you were getting your bearings. But within the first year, your dad got sick and you had to drop out to uh, work and support the family. What was that time like for you? Well, uh, you know, that time was very traumatic, honestly. Um, but I didn't realize how traumatic it was. Um, you know, I knew that you know, things were not going to be the same for a while. I knew that, you know, my family members, my brother, my, my mother, my sister, you know, they weren't, they didn't have the, uh, I guess the durability to, to withstand that that emotional stress, you know, of knowing that you know our, our main provider, our our leader, our father, you know, is incapacitated and unable to be, you know, in, in communication with. And um, you know, for me, it was like, all right, you know, dad is in the hospital. It's best to do what what I what I know best and. What my father had told me was, hey, man, get to work. Yeah. You know, and, uh, you know, I just visualized him in my head, and I just threw my boots on. And I didn't know what I was doing, but I just knew that I had to show up to the junkyard. Yep. You know, I didn't know where to start. I didn't know where he left off. I didn't. All I knew was, like, hey, just get to the junkyard and figure it out. Right. You know, and you know, I spent months, you know, combing through the junkyard, trying to pick up the pieces, putting puzzles together, you know, going through paperwork, trying to you know, figure out what the plan was, you know, and, you know, what is it that he wanted to do? Because, you know, we, he was in a coma, so, you know, our thoughts were, okay, he's going to get out of it. He's yeah. going to be better. Let me just get things going for him until he, right. you know, he, he gets out of this, and then, you know, it'll be right there. Right. You know, when he just could jump right into right where he left off. Right. Um, and during that time, you know, it was like a, a lot of uh, turmoil was going on because, you know, have family members blaming each other, you know, for, for what's going on. Um, and then obviously, you know, when a main provider is incapacitated, you know, you, you go on undergoing financial stress, you know, so that is also bringing up a lot of arguments, you know, between everybody. And, you know, you just seeing, you know, people that, that you love and, and how you remember them just change in so many different yeah. ways. Yeah. And, uh, you know, that, that led to, you know, uh, me just happened to work countless hours just to, you know, be able to keep the lights on at the house, you know, to, to keep the house from going into foreclosure. Uh, you know, it's just a lot of situations that, you know, a normal 19-year-old wouldn't have to go through. You know, I had to kind of just take it on and just take it for the team, you know. Um, yeah. If not me, who else? Yeah. Uh, and, and I had in my notes here <clears throat> that uh, while you were in school, you studied extensively in school while helping uh, your father run the business, whether it was your choice or just a, a sense of duty at that point because he was sick. Um, and then, unfortunately, your father passed away. Um, and I know that you have noted before that you were severely distraught after this and you left the industry altogether. What was the, the thought process behind that? So... Um when my father had passed away, you know, that 
it really struck home at, uh, for me because, you know, when he originally uh, fell into the coma, um, you know, I had to keep going. I, I, I wasn't able to express, you know, what I was going through. I wasn't able to sit down and, like, and, and cry. I wasn't able to really acknowledge, like, what was going on. I didn't have time to, yeah. you know. I had to just get down and, and get busy. And um, when when things kind of finally came to an end, you know, when uh, my father had passed away and, you know, the family wanted to split up everything, I, I kind of saw it as, you know, a way to kind of, you know, uh, recuperate, to alleviate myself of, you know, the pain that that I was going through. But for some reason, it, it doesn't work as simple as that. Yeah. You know? <laughs> So it's like, you know, you take the time off, you, you know, um, you try to separate yourself from, from all the things that would remind you of, um, you know, of the junkyard of your father and everything. And I, you know, I, I tried to escape it. I, I moved further out east, you know, um, you know, that was around the same time when I met Cynthia. And, you know, I, I tried to just take my mind off of things. I, I, you know, I went working for like other companies and, even though I didn't want to, it was, and that was like actually a big thing for me because uh, while I was running uh, my dad's junkyard for two years um, when he was sick, you know, I developed this sense of like, hey, you know, I, I like what I'm doing. I like, you know, running things. I like, you know, not having someone that's controlling me. And I always kept that in the back of my mind. Uh, but then when I had to go and work for other companies, I had to suck it all up. Yeah. Man, you know, yeah. and it's like, damn, I got to take shit from this person and. You know, nobody ever want, really wants to do that, right? Um, but you know, you just do what you got to do. Uh, what was what was the goal? Like, was there a goal in that moment? Because you, so <clears throat> this is something that we we always point out in the show. There's certain uh, tenets of leadership for for me. I don't even want to say tenets. Certain parts of the process, the journey of leadership, that are so important when you're when you get introspective and you discover what this leadership is about. Leadership isn't about like in that moment you just figure it out and you you know all your shit. No, it's about kind of looking back on the journey, how it built you, what it built you into, um, what's important to you, what's not important to you anymore, and and sort of being introspective enough to take uh, 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 inventory of all that and sort of decide like this is who I am, this is who I want to be, this is what I want to accomplish. And those moments in life that sort of steered you in these directions, we call them spark moments on the show. Spark moments are any any point in your life that led you down a path, whether that path was good, bad, or indifferent, it led you down a path. And this moment for you, the loss of your dad and all the trauma that went with it, was a spark moment that led you down a path away from this business. Yeah. So in that moment, was there a goal? like for what the rest of Orville's life would look like? Or was this just you going like, I need to get away from this for a little while? So when, um, you know, when I decided to walk away, uh, I always had said to myself, all right, I'm going to you know, work somewhere for a little, you know, make back some money, and then I'm just going to do my own thing and you know, start my own junkyard again yep. and, uh, and use car dealership. And, you know, um, you know, you keep this idea in, in your mind, and then as time goes on, it starts to slowly wither away, wither away. I don't know if you've ever seen that movie, that You Don't Mess With the Zohan. Yeah, of course I do. <laughs> and you remember, like, the electronics Fizzy store? Fizzy Bubbly. Fizzy Bubbly, right? <laughs> <laughs> and you remember in the electronics store, like, they're talking about how they all had dreams, and uh, yeah. then they went to the store, yeah, and yeah, they yeah, slowly yeah. started going away. <laughs> Sucked the life out of them, yeah. I get it. I get it. So, you know, I... Um, you know, I started to, you know, undergo that, um, and then I didn't realize it, but, you know, I was undergoing a lot of depression, you know, during that time, during that time, because, um, you know, I thought that I was healing, I thought that, you know, I was taking time away from, you know, acknowledging the fact that, um, you know, my father had passed, and I, I, really it was like I was running away from the fact that, hey, listen, you know, this is reality, you know, I, I just kept thinking that, you know, the stuff that happened with my father and my family was just like a bad dream. And, you know, as long as I just keep moving forward, I don't have to think about it. Yeah. But when you don't address it and you, you allow it to build up, it yeah. festers, you know, and, it's, and it slowly builds up on you. But, um, you know, when that happens, 
you know, you have to wait for, well, you don't have to wait, but you have to try to find a way to kind of like shake that up and, and get rid of that. Right. I mean, you have to remove it because, or else it would just destroy you from within. Um, and I, I, I started to realize that and, uh, you know, I would find myself like years later, I'm talking like eight, nine years later, like, you know, just sitting in my car, just crying for no reason. And I'm like, There's, I'm not even sad. I don't even know what the hell's going on. But it's yeah. like your body's trying to release it. Yeah. You know, and, um, you know, that was kind of the mindset that, that, that I was in at the time. So, like, the goal was that, okay, I was going to start something, um, you know, when after maybe a year of work, but that never happened. And I just continuously kept working, working for, like, almost, like, seven years, um, you know, with a company that, that took a chance with me. But, you know, as grateful as I was with them, but that wasn't where I needed to be. Yeah. You know, um, and you know, I, I'm glad that there was you know another spark that brought me back into entrepreneurship, and then eventually led me uh, to down scrap it. Yeah, and that that's what I want to talk about. So, um, it, it seems like there was still a goal of coming back to it, but I, I think there was that thing where your body just told you like you need to, or your mind told you that you need to find yourself a little bit. You need to maybe even like you need to know who you are in this industry without your dad, yeah. like your identity within the junk industry, quote unquote, was always tied to your dad. Yeah. But in reality now, maybe that's just part of your legacy and you built your own. I know you built your own thing now, which is because it's so innovative and different than anything I've seen before. Um, so yeah, you talk about the next spark moment in your life. You know, um, you were you were working, you were trying to go to school part-time, a couple of credits here and there, bare minimum for the next few years. I think that based on all we've talked about that, you knew education was always important to you, right? right. Always. So, um, which is huge for somebody to be grounded enough to know that part of the ground, part of the, the framework of what you have to build has to be built on, on education. I will take this opportunity to say, I can't stand when people throw it away as a given. Like if you're not one for school, that's fine. That is absolutely fine. If you, whether it's you're not built for it or you don't have the means for it in the moment, whatever, that's totally fine. I can't stand when people like Gary V oh, go gosh. on and like tell people literally to like leave school. It, it bothers the shit out of me because to have that opportunity, it's never going to hurt you as right. long as you're smart enough to know that school's not the end all be all. Like we are both businessmen and we both know that what we learned on the street in certain instances is much more important than what we learn in school. But what we learn in school helps us get through yeah. the stuff that we learn on the street. You know exactly. what I mean? So so that's huge and I and I applaud you for that. We'll be right back after these quick words. This is John. And Mark Cronin from John's Crazy Socks. And we're interrupting to say, we hope you're enjoying this episode, but please make sure to check out our show, The Spreading Happiness Podcast, another great show produced by Launchpad 516 Studios. New episodes are available every week on all your favorite podcast platforms. Join us on our new podcast as we continue our mission, Spreading Happiness. Thank you, folks. Fabrizio, you know what? Since we just announced the rebranding of Launchpad 516, let's talk about the merchandise shop and all the great stuff going on there. Okay. All right, so you know what? Give me something soft. Give me something catchy, something with a good beat. I got it. All right. Yeah, 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 this is good. Man, you are good at this, buddy. You're getting better, at least, because you used to suck at it. Hey, hey, everybody. This is George Andriopoulos, the CEO of Launchpad 516, a management consulting firm based out of New York, Consulting Plus. We are revolutionizing the consulting game, but that's not what I'm here to talk about. Now, we just launched our brand new website. We announced our rebranding today as I record this on March 4th, and... We have a merchandise shop on our site. Launchpad516.com slash shop is our incredible new merchandise shop. We have launched a clothing brand. Now you're asking yourself, why would I wear clothing with your company's name on it? No, 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 no. That's not what this is about. This is about the messaging. The Launchpad Initiative 
the first collection out of the Launchpad 516 brand is all about the positive messaging. If you're watching me on video right now, you see the I am inimitable t-shirt. We have the inimitable definition shirt. We have the we before me shirt, the win from within shirt, and more than shirts, sweatshirts, hoodies, fleeces, uh, uh, shorts, joggers, tank tops, workout stuff, everything. Amazing quality, because that was so important to me, but the messaging is even more amazing and important. We are here to give individuals and organizations the tools and resources to thrive and succeed, and we are doing the same thing with messaging on our clothing. Now, here's the cool part. Visit launchpad516.com slash shop, purchase anything in the month of March, and guess what? All profits go to the Special Olympics. This is huge. We wanna launch this thing with a bang. We want people wearing our brand, and more importantly, we want them to learn how to be leaders through our messaging. So visit launchpad516.com slash shop, purchase stuff, help the Special Olympics, help spread leadership. Thank you, as always, for supporting. I'll see you next time, guys. Uh, and then you met Cynthia, who later became your wife, and she motivated you to basically get your shit together, you know, to, <laughs> Pretty to, much. to go to school and, and to do the damn thing and, and see what happens, right? Yeah, because, you know, we actually had class together, and, um, you know, she had noticed, like, the credits that I was taking, and she was like, well, why are you still here? Like, why don't you just hurry up and graduate? Like, come on, let's go, let's go. And then it's like, wait, who are you to tell me what, what, what I need to do? Like, come on, like, I'm doing my own thing. <laughs> But I don't know if you ever met Cynthia, you know, Cynthia George. Yeah. It's hard to tell her no. <laughs> <laughs> so, so that was that was a that was a big spark moment for you uh, uh, meeting her and then her motivating you to um, to kind of fulfill the potential that you that you always had. Maybe she saw in you that you didn't see in you. Uh, and so you, you guys actually graduated Nassau Community College together. Uh, mm -hmm. You decided to go for international business at Farmingdale State College. You were going between Baruch and Farmingdale State and eventually uh, chose Farmingdale State College. Uh, shortly after, Cynthia followed you uh, to Farmingdale State College as well for her schooling. Um, and after doing some soul searching, uh, you decided that it was kind of time to return to your roots, but from a new angle. So talk to me uh, uh, for a little bit about Dr. Betty Fang and her influence on your life and career and uh, and all that happened with you. Yeah, man, uh, you know, Dr. Betty Fang, one of my long, um, long time friends, but she was actually my former professor and my current advisor right now uh, at Scrap It. Um, however, before she was my professor, um, I had met her through another individual uh, by the name of Ed Moore. And uh, I had met him at one of the um, Farmingdale State College uh, extracurricular functions or um, seminars. And it was really him that spoke, uh, that sparked that uh, flame of entrepreneurship um, and had you know, inspired me to, you know, to really dig deep into like you know what my father had taught me and what my other mentors had taught me about entrepreneurship and then through him he it, you know would always try to push me into these like entrepreneur stuff and this gentleman ed moore um farmingdale native but you know a senior citizen yeah he wasn't a student he was just someone that you know just wanted to inspire people and um <clears throat> and then he had introduced me to dr betty fang through one of these um you know business uh, competitions because uh, you know he had saw he had found out about it and he was like hey you know Orba, I think you know this this would be a good idea you know why don't you check this out introduce me to Dr Betty Fang you know and and she was she was uh, acceptable of the idea um, however when I had pitched the the original business idea to her um, you know they they weren't really too fond of it you know it was it was a completely different idea completely different business um, however. That's that formed the uh, the bond between Dr. Fang and I, and then actually a year later, um, we had ran into each other, and she was like, "Hey, Orville, you know we have this uh, you know innovation challenge going on. I, I really think that you know you'd be a, a proper fit for it." And at the time, I was like, you know, "Dr. Fang, you know I, I'm taking care of a lot of stuff right now. I mean, I'm working. You know, at the time we had an adopted son, um, and you know our plate was full." But uh, but my wife was like, hey, 
Or I think this would be a good idea. I think we should just give it a shot, you know? And I was like, all right, well, fine. Let's see what this has to offer. Right. Um, so I signed up for it. You know, they, they paired a bunch of uh, students from different disciplines together. And what I thought was going to be like a one or two hour, you know, workshop ended up being like an all day workshop. And, uh, you know, Cynthia was, uh, you know, so, um, so nice enough to join me where uh, even though she was like working overtime and during the nights, right. she still showed up in, in the morning at nine o'clock and was like, okay, you know, I'm gonna stay with you. And ironically, um, one of the teammates uh, didn't show up and because Cynthia was a student at Farmingdale, she was able to fill the spot. So then it was me and her and then a bunch of other students and we, that's where we came up with the idea for Scrap It. That's but, great. <laughs> That's great. Yeah. So, so I'm going to fast forward uh, a little bit because you've had a lot of stuff that has happened uh, since then. But in <clears> essence, <throat> that was really the basis of of coming up with this idea for Scrap It. And really, um, although you sort of conceptualized this whole thing, I think based on what I know about the company, the fact that this was like an innovation challenge, you had to kind of force yourself to put more than just a junkyard or junk removal into it. It right. had to be technology-based. It had to be. And so it was that that thing that sort of, it actually forced you to disrupt the idea of what this industry was that you came from. And in that moment, you really became that innovator, that inventor that you always kind of aspired to be, right? Yeah. Yeah. And so, um, you know, so, so to fast forward a little bit, um, you got first place in that. You won a, a bunch of stuff uh, when you were in school uh, related to Scrap It. Um, you completed your your BS in global business management. You got a BS in computer programming and information systems at Farmingdale. Um, you wound up getting your MBA in innovation. Surprise, <laughs> surprise, from Stony Brook University, prestigious state college. Um, in between there is when you and I met, actually. So right. you guys know that I'm the the executive producer of TEDx Farmingdale. Orville was actually one of the speakers at our inaugural event. He gave his first TEDx talk um, called Methods to Reduce Climate Change and Eliminate Waste. And I, from the moment that you applied, I loved this, the idea of this talk. Um, and, you know, in sitting, collaborating with you on the idea, there was a lot that came to this talk in terms of like talking about how you came from a junkyard and, and where your roots were, but how you wanted to sort of reinvent the game and, and, and change it. And at the same time, a mission to eliminate waste uh, globally, which will affect climate change. I mean, um, I was thoroughly impressed by you at, at the time, man. It was, uh, it was very cool to, um, to kind of see somebody with enough foresight to take this idea. And that's, that to me is what, Ted is right. Um, Ted thinks they're, they're one thing, but in my opinion of them is that you should be able to take an idea and build on it. We just did this year, um, and it's really inspired by past talks that we've had. The theme for last year's event was um, origins and evolution, right? So the whole theme was based on taking an idea that was one thing and the thought of like, can this evolve into something else, or does it have to be stuck in that way? And so you took this idea of junk removal, waste removal, cleanup, and you, you sort of reinvented. So I was I was thoroughly impressed by um, by that whole thing. Now, being the business guy, right at heart, um, I come up with a lot of ideas, and they don't all necessarily work out. Um, how did Scrap It go from an idea to win a competition to becoming a viable business? Well, um, how it started as an idea was, uh, well, first, you have to write it down. Yeah. Um, the idea came to me in uh, 2018, around uh, the same time I had mentioned that I had met uh, my friend Ed Moore. Um, however, you know, when ideas come, write it down. Save it somewhere. Just jot it down because you never know when you're going to have to use it. Luckily, when I was in the innovation challenge, I was like, you know, I think I might have an idea for this. And that's when I went into my notes app and I said, okay, like, well, you know, what, what do you guys think about this idea? You know, a digital junkyard or something like that. And they were like, what? We love that. Like, like all right, let's, let's figure out how to, like, you know, make a business plan out of this. And, you know, let's get some designs. Let's get a catchy name. Let's, uh, you know, figure out a logo or something. Like, let's put it together. And um, 
So really, like, what I feel that, you know, how you take something from idea to creation is that, you know, one, write it down, and then two, you know, you have to share it with people. A lot of times people hold on to their ideas, and they, they, they hold it in a vault and are afraid to speak about it because, you know, they're obviously afraid that, you know, someone's going to steal it or run, away, run with it. Sure. And, stuff. and, you know, that, that's fair. However, you know, ideas come to everyone, you know, and nine out of ten times the idea that you have, somebody else has, and what's the difference between it is the execution, right? right. And so it's like you have to you know, write down the idea, um, you know, create a plan of action, share it with people, you know, inspire people that to the fact that, okay, if they, if they like the idea, they, w- they may want to join you with this idea. Right. And, you know, help bring it to life. And it's like, you know, a lot of times we think, okay, you know, oh, I got to do this, I got to do this, I got to do this, I got to do this. You know, yeah, pro- possibly. But if you just hold on to the idea, stay true to it, share it with who you feel that, you know, could provide value to it, they will help you pick up the slack, you know, and they will help you push it forward and take it to the next stage. And it's all about just taking that idea and just moving along the line and moving along, you know, the 10 yard line, you know, keep going, keep going until you get into the end zone. And I feel like, you know, that's in a simple way of how you bring something from idea to creation. But I mean, you know, in a nutshell, that's kind of how it was for me. Yeah, and I, and I hear a lot of what you described uh, in the beginning when we talked about the definition of leadership. A lot of team there, a lot of team, team, team. Which uh, you know me, man, I'm, I love, I love that collaboration. Um, you know, for those the, those that don't know, actually, Scrap It operates out of my office here. They use some incubator space in the office, um, and it was very cool having like this new young, innovative company come in and having these conversations. And I, I work with Orville on a certain, um, uh, on some of his projects and stuff like that. And uh, it was just very exciting to get that team vibe back in the office again, especially after opening up again after the pandemic, uh, the office being shut down after 18 months. And um, it's different, guys. It's it's um, it's it's the new way of thinking of things. It, it's uh, and there were there were components to the company, right? So what I love about Scrap of Technologies is that it's a multifaceted company. It has its eyes on today with junk removal, mm-hmm. but it has its eyes on tomorrow with technology. So tell the people briefly uh, the you know the the one or two sentence version of what the junk removal part Scrap of Junk Removal Services does. All right, so. You know, we all know spring is here. And so, you know, what does that mean? Well, we got to get rid of stuff. You know, we got to open up that closet. We got to open up that garage. We got to clear out that attic because, hey, you know, uh, we got to get rid of this old stuff so we could put more new stuff there. (laughs) (laughs) But the thing is that when we go to, you know, open these places, open these crevices, we're like, shoot, man, do I got to do all this work myself? You know, I don't even know where to put this. I, I don't want to pay for storage. I don't um, I don't want to spend the time of me sweating and, and cleaning up all these things. And I don't even know where to bring them. You know, and you know, what, what do I do? Well, that's where we come in. You know, our team at Scrap It, we come with, you know, professional haulers, with our trucks, and, and with our teams. And we effectively remove these items and find proper places for these items to go. Um, you know, we have a network of donation centers that we work with, like AMVETS down the road here on Sunrise. Um, you know, we have thrift stores uh, that are local that we work with. Um, and then, so that is typically how we, you know, service people on the junk removal side of things. Now on the technology side of things is that, all right, well, we know that this is the case and, you know, this is what people need, but, you know, we can only cover but so much areas here on Long Island and in New York. Well, how do we make this something that more people can access? And how do we, you know, how do we measure what is being donated and what is being thrown out? Well, that is where technology comes in, right? Yeah. So through our platforms that, we, that we've been creating, you know, we're able to connect um, people that, are, that have this need of getting rid of items or for whatever reason it may be. And connecting them with, you know, local eco-friendly junk haulers that are able to pick these things up on demand and properly recycle these. You know, whether it be that they're bringing it to a donation center, whether they're bringing it to a waste energy facility, or whether they're bringing it to a transfer station. Um, But the idea of the technology is to make it more scalable so that, you know, we're able to reduce the amount of items that are in the landfills. 
because, hey, look, if you can't measure it, you can't manage it, right? Yep. Yep. So, so, and, and that's such a smart way of looking at things for, for those of you out there that aren't too familiar with how technology uh, integrates with innovation as of late, as of the last couple of years. Data is probably one of the most important things. Collecting data while you're working provides you with, first of all, a revenue stream in and of itself because that data is so valuable <laughs> more than oil. so so valuable more than oil right <laughs> um but it also provides a pathway to innovating in the future to sustaining your business in the future so it's so important to think about things in this innovative way i love having these kind of conversations bro because um i don't very often get to talk straight up business with with my guests here a lot of times it's you know uh, life experiences only and, and yada yada. So I love I love talking shop um, <laughs> with you on this stuff. But um, in essence, this company, should everything go right, has set itself up for for an incredible future. And I'm so excited to not only be part of it, but to watch you succeed and grow. It's my mission as as a business owner is to give people help give people those tools to succeed and thrive. So it's 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 a pleasure watching you uh, grow in this way and and a pleasure seeing somebody who just created this shit for themselves. You know what I mean? Like that's <laughs> that to me is is very exciting and very cool. Um I love how it came full circle too. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. That, that that doesn't often happen. It doesn't often <laughs> happen. And that that means that goes to show you that there's purpose in these experiences that we go through right. in life, right? Um, okay, so uh, you've I, I read a quote on your LinkedIn that said, what I love about Scrap It is that I can merge what I love, technology, along with my father's legacy, junk, and we get to make a difference in the world at the same time. And that's basically that full circle moment that you uh, yeah. that you just talked about. So that that's incredible. Um, I was going to talk to you about what pushed you to continue your schooling throughout this process, but uh, I don't think I need to ask you that because it's kind of self-evident that you wanted to give yourself as many tools uh, as as you could to succeed in in, right. in what you're doing, and, 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 and let's not forget about Cynthia. <laughs> of course, yes, yeah, and she made you do Cracking it. Cracking the whip, she cracked the whip, made you do it, which I I love that about her. Um, what's the end goal for Scrap It? End goal for if there is one. It. You know, I, you know, I actually do have an end goal. You know, and uh, it it reminds me of the Avengers. You know. Uh, Especially with yeah, especially with that with the intro trailer uh, to to our TEDx. To TED, yeah, yeah. Um, but you know, honestly, it's um, you know, I know that there's you know big talks about you know interplanetary travel, and I know that there's you know an an immense amount of debris that exists within our atmosphere, within you know our, in in Earth's orbit, and you know, I see that not, not a lot of people are, are thinking about this. Not a lot of people are, are talking about solutions for this. But, you know, I do see that there is a, that there is going to be a need, you know, to, to clear out these items, especially if you're going to have interplanetary travel, you know, that's going to be going back and forth. I, I see it that, you know, we're going to be, you know, doing a lot of business. You know, the, you know ships are going to be sending a lot of car. I mean, you know, rocket ships are going to be sending a lot of cargo back and forth. Um, well, how, how are they going to do that safely if there's, if there's going to be a high amount of traffic? Well, you know, we have to create roads. We have to create avenues. I mean, we don't have to think about that for airplanes because there's nothing too much in the sky, but there's a bunch of debris out there in the, in the space. So, well, yep. you know, what would be a nice end goal is, you know, to be able to remove space junk. <laughs> I, and, and he's not bullshitting, folks. I can attest to the fact that I have had a strategy meeting Launchpad 516 and Scrap It Technologies has had a strategy meeting where Orville and I discussed pitching this to SpaceX to go out there and remove junk from space. This actually, I can now die putting that on my tombstone that I had that conversation for real with somebody. So he's not bullshitting about that. Um, I want to shift for a second before we we wrap up and get to the big three. Um, we talked about... Uh, uh, Marriage, I mentioned in the bio that you're a husband and a father of two, Kingston and Princeton, uh, great names. Um, Thank you. How do you want – now, I know for you that your father and his journey had a huge influence, good, bad, or indifferent, um, in a lot of ways on your life and, and uh, both personally and professionally. How do you want your journey to influence the future of your two sons? 
You know, you know, I haven't really thought too much about the journey um, on how I wanted it to influence my children. Um, you know, I always thought of it as, uh, you know, how I wanted to influence my children w was through me actually being there for them. Me, and I, me, me actually, you know, being at their games, being at their, you know, school meetings, um, you know, really spending time and just, you know, teaching them the knowledge that I know directly, you know, like just as, as they have time for school, you know, uh, they would have time for school with me. Um, and I never really thought of the, uh, you know, the business or, 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 you know, the organization as being, you know, what would influence them. But, you know, now that I, I look back in hindsight and, you know, seeing everything that I'm doing, it's like, well, I think this does play a big role in the, you know, I'm back in junk. I'm here following my father's legacy. Yep. Um, so it, it would be very cool for, you know, my children to, you know, take up the mantle and carry this on. But I, I do understand and, and know from, you know, my own personal experience that that may not be the path that they may want to take. So what I do hope for this um, through my journey, the, the impression that like lasts on my children is that, hey, they could say that they saw their father, you know, build something from nothing, you know, and that anything is possible, that regardless of whatever obstacles may be in someone's way or may be in their way, there's always a solution for it. There's always a way around it, you know, and the only misconception uh, is that things are impossible. Yep, yep, I love that. So, so the last thing I was going to ask you, which you, you kind of answered this, um, how strong is the connection to leadership with fatherhood and 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 husbandhood? Right, like how strong is that connection in terms of not only. The easy answer is to say that I'm the leader of this family and I lead these people. That's easy. Um, that's a given. How, do, how does that, how do those two jobs, being a father and being a husband, help you be a leader outside of your home? What's that connection for you? You know, um, you know I, th I feel that me being a leader um, in my professional career definitely uh, inspired me to take some some tips from that to bring into my you know into my family however um you know i would think that okay you know first you're the biggest leader in your organization and then you know then then your 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 kids and then your marriage but i had it upside down and backwards mm -hmm. you know it's like no you have to focus on your marriage then your kids then the, then the business the organization um so I would say that, you know, the, the relationship from fatherhood to, to leadership, I mean, it's, you know, it's symbiotic. You know, one can't exist without the other. And if you think that you're a leader in your organization and you're not a leader at home, then you're sadly mistaken because right. you're, 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 you're building on poor foundation, right? And something that, that grows on poor foundation is just bound to collapse eventually, yep. right? So, you know, I feel that it's, uh, it's a trinity, right? Like you, you have to... Make sure that you're you're if you're a leader, you're a leader in all three phases. Don't just be a leader in one. Um, if you're not a leader, then, then that's perfectly fine. You yeah. know that, but know how to fit in within your circles. Um, but like if you're gonna say, hey, I'm a leader, make sure all those foundations are in place. Yeah, yeah, I love that. And, me, and you and I have had that conversation too about um, if you're not a leader, it's okay. Uh, as an owner of of a company, you and I both know that. Um, we have to kind of accept that sometimes somebody just wants to come to work and do their job and they don't necessarily want to lead. Now, bringing out the best of them, uh, the best in them, that's our job as leaders to do, but they don't necessarily have to be leaders on their own. And kind of accepting that makes life a little bit easier sometimes in terms of your expectations right. uh, on the job with your employees and stuff. So, all right, uh, amazing <clears throat> stuff. So let's move on to the big three. The big three. The big three from the launch cast. The big three is I'm gonna give you some stuff. I'm gonna rattle off some stuff. You're gonna give me your top three for each item. Quick, concise answers. Right. All right. We ready? Let's do it. All right. Three favorite items that you picked from the junkyard as a kid. Ooh. All right. Uh, a Nintendo 64 game. It was um, it was like the duck hunting game. 
That was one. Two, uh, my shaver. Uh, my, uh, when I just went into puberty, my dad <laughs> found a shaver. Gross. But no, it was brand new, though. <laughs> it was brand new in the box, I promise you. <laughs> and, I'm, gonna, uh, I'm ending this interview right yeah. now. I'm going to go wash my hands. No, yeah, go right? Ahead. Go ahead. <laughs> and the third one, man. Um, third best item that I picked. Uh, well, sh- it had to be all those coins that uh, you know I find under the seats. <laughs> there you go. All right. Okay. Um, three biggest successes outside of your family. Three biggest successes outside of my family. Well, um, scrap it. <laughs> um, you know, my education. You know, um, with you know achieving an MBA. You know, it, it took me a while, but I never thought I was gonna. You know, at one point I, I thought it, I wasn't gonna pursue it, but I'm glad that. I was able to achieve that and have that to show for the children as well. And then, um, you know, the third success outside of um, Scrap It, you know, I would have to say, uh, you know, my, my community of, you know, uh, followers and, and fans, you know, that, you know, support me constantly and encourage me constantly. Um, you know, the, be, even though like Scrap It has its employees, you know, the, the Scrap It family is much bigger than that. And, you know, there's tons of people that, you know, play a pivotal role like in my life and you know with my mindset um, making sure that I'm you know I'm operating efficient I'm you know I'm in the right state of mind and that things are just flowing well whether they're seen or unseen you know the the, the mere fact that you know I was able to grow something and impact other people's lives where they are able to reciprocate back yep I think that's like one of the hugest success love that love that okay uh, three favorite things about fatherhood Three th- favorite things about father- fatherhood, huh? Um, change the diapers, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I I don't mind it. Yeah. I don't. I never minded it because those moments were some memorable times. You know, sometimes <laughs> for gross reasons, but no memorable times because I'm always like. I'm always performing when I'm changing the diaper. Yeah, you gotta right. keep them distracted, right? Yeah, yeah. So I got some of the best laughs ever for my kids <laughs> out of that. <laughs> yeah, man. No. So like some of my uh, favorite times as a uh, being a father is uh, you know rolling around with them on the floor when they're like trying to crawl. Yep. You know, um, you know, helping them walk and and um, well, I haven't done this yet, but uh, you know, when they are able to start playing sports, you know, being able yeah, to looking practice forward with to that. Them. Yeah. You know? Yeah, yeah they, they, his boys are still uh, very young. So Princeton um, just started walking today. Just started walking. <laughs> all right, all right. <laughs> yeah, you, you're very early in fatherhood, but this is uh, oh man, you got some good times coming up. <laughs> well, I'm gonna uh, look for you for some advice. <laughs> oh, absolutely, man. And I'm doing it all over again now. So <laughs> with the little ones. So yeah, all right, last one. We talked about for for scrap it, which was great that you mentioned. I actually thought you were gonna mention that here, but you you could repeat it. Three impossible goals. Three impossible goals. And I'll say in general. You know, it doesn't have to be scrap it related. Three impossible goals. Um, I would say, you know, to reform the, um, the you know, the, the industry as, as far as, um, what is it called, with, with, with incarceration. Uh-huh. Um, you know, I, I would feel that, you know, there are, better programs and better ways to, you know, bring people out of situations or, you know, properly rehabilitate people. And, uh, you know, what may seem like an impossible goal is that, you know, we, we would reach a time where, you know, jail is not really needed to discipline people. That, you know, maybe there's, you know, other ways to rehabilitate people that were, you know, abused by society. Or, right. You know. um, another impossible goal, uh, you know, to... Make vegan food that tastes almost exactly like steak. <laughs> <laughs> they're, they're getting there. You know, I, that, that's one of the biggest things that, um, that I miss. Uh, you know, I used to be an avid meat eater. Uh, now I'm a vegetarian or, you know, quasi-vegetarian. But, um, you know, one of the things I miss is those Brazilian steakhouses, man. You know, those rodizios. And, uh, you know, if they could make a, you know... Uh, vegetarian version of that man hey you know we you know i'm I'm in a happy world probably died and went to heaven but uh (laughs) and the last one last impossible goal uh to be able to teleport i love that yeah i love that that'll do it (laughs) all right good i'm gonna tear this up which means we did it we killed it 
Orville, thank you, my friend, for being here. This was great. I love having these leadership conversations, especially when they are business-centric. It gets me going, bro. It is a great way to come back from winter hiatus, so I appreciate you. Of course. Thank you, my friend. All right. Check Orville out. You could find him on LinkedIn. Uh, I'll, I'll put everything in the show notes. Check out Scrap It Technology, Scrap It Junk Removal. Uh, they got some amazing stuff going on. They just finished putting together a couple of incredible teams. So those trucks are out of this office every single day removing junk. I have used these guys um, specifically. I've had a crazy couple of months. I'll tell you guys about it as the episodes go by. But a lot of construction that's been going on that I've been doing for for. Uh, my mother-in-law and uh i use these guys services um it was incredible it saved me so much time (laughs) so much time and energy that that i just did not have the bandwidth for so uh uh, scrapit.io is the website Uh, new website should be out around the time maybe a few days after this episode comes out anyway um so check them out everything's going to be in the show notes so i appreciate you orville i'm going to put you back in the green room for a sec while i close it out love you george all right everybody yep all right, there we go. Uh, another one, another, as my friend DJ Khaled says, another one. We got another one in the books here. Every week we are back. We have a ton of interviews being recorded this week, so I'm so excited about what's to come. Check out all the old episodes to catch up. If you have not been an avid listener of the LaunchCast, the best damn podcast on the planet, and make sure to check out the Launchpad 516 Studios channel on Apple Podcasts or any of your podcast platforms and see some of the other podcasts that we produce. Incredible content coming. Um, I just had a meeting yesterday with somebody that's going to be doing a show with us that's starting this month um, that's going to be conversations around uh, music albums and how they change your life and every every episode is going to be a new album. Like, oh my God, I'm so excited for this stuff. Uh, this stuff gets me going. Guys, thank you again. We'll see you next time. Launch sequence terminated. Into the black hole. Into the black hole. The LaunchCast is brought to you by Launchpad 516 Studios. Produced by Fabrizio Fugazi and executive produced by George Andriopoulos. Marketing and PR by Media Convergence. Theme song by Tommy Lungberg. Music and sound effects are licensed through Epidemic Sound. The LaunchCast is hosted with Podbean. Make sure to subscribe to this feed wherever podcasts are available and leave us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts while you're at it, guys. You can find the show on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, iHeartRadio, Pandora, TuneIn, Amazon Music, Google Podcasts, Podbean, and everywhere else that podcasts are available. Follow me, George Andriopoulos, the host at Launchpad CEO on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, or follow the show at The Launchcast Show on Facebook and Instagram, or at Launchcast Show on Twitter. Visit our website, thelaunchcast.com, and make sure to follow all the great podcasts produced by Launchpad 516 Studios. We'll see you next time, guys.